Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Rob here again. Just a friendly reminder that if it is still March 2020 and you're listening to this episode in present time, I hope that you are at home and socially distant to help quell the spread of coronavirus. So that's that's the PSA. What's coming at you is something that I've been trying to do for a while and have made the decision to do a lot in 2020. Unfortunately, a lot of the events that I was going to do this at have been postponed, but don't worry, we'll continue to do them, is a one-on-one interview with a local person with diabetes, uh, local to a JDRF chapter, who also has a story to tell and has a sort of social media following. So this episode is with Paloma Guerrero. Glitter Glucose, as you guys know her, the queen of Instagram herself, and she and I sit down one-on-one for a little fireside chat at the JDRF Phoenix chapter, JDRF Arizona chapter, uh, back in February. So this is a really cool episode. I did not expect this to be as fun and entertaining as it ended up being, but that's a little bit of what life with Paloma is like. Just always fun, bright, and full of energy and laughs. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, This episode is presented without a sponsor. Again, I'm going to ask you guys to do your best to support diabetic-owned businesses during this time. Uh, Small business is being hit really hard in the United States, so if there's a way for you to support your favorite diabetic-owned businesses, please do so. I know there are a ton of them. Plus, we're still going to need tape. We're still going to need low snacks. We're still going to need pre-workout. We're still going to need designs to keep our pumps looking sharp and our CGMs matching our aesthetic. So please support a diabetic-owned business in lieu of a sponsorship of this episode. I hope you guys enjoy Paloma and I's chat. And if you are a fan of these live episodes, bring me to your JDRF chapter. Bring me to your ADA event. Uh, Let's make it happen. I'm doing more of these uh, live podcasts are where it's at once we can all be in the same room again together. Uh, So if you want more of these, please get me in touch with your JDRF outreach manager, outreach coordinator, whoever, and let's make this thing happen. Okay, enjoy this episode. Thank you guys for coming. My name is Rob Howell. Uh, I came here from Dallas today. So uh, thanks to Wendy and you guys' awesome JDRF chapter for bringing me here. Um, My podcast is called Diabetics Doing Things. I started it about five years ago. And uh, my very special guest uh, from the Phoenix area is uh, Paloma uh, Guerrero, uh, Glitter Glucose, as many of you guys know her as. And today we're going to have a really just frank conversation about diabetes in social media and the just things that we've learned, the impact that it's had on our lives. And this episode will also be available uh, on the Diabetics Doing Things podcast um, after today. So people who are not here can still benefit from uh, the conversation we have today. And we'll definitely have for Q&A uh, at the end of the presentation as well. Um, so, little technical difficulties here with this hoodie that I insist on wearing all of my presentations. So, um, cool. I'll give you a little bit of background on myself, just uh, so that you uh, know that I have credentials, I guess. Uh, 15 years ago, uh, I was a 6'5", very skinny uh, kid, peeing a lot, uh, losing weight rapidly, uh, real tired, uh, starting to sound familiar. Uh, I I went out on New Year's Eve with a bunch of my friends, and I think I peed 27 times because I started to keep count. Uh, and I remember feeling really good about myself because I was chugging water and I was like, wow, I'm an athlete. Um, look how hydrated I am. My coach is going to be so hyped. Like, this is so good. Uh, and then the next morning I woke up and I was nauseous and 
Um, my mom was like, we got to go to the doctor. And of course, you know, after that, learned that I had diabetes, type 1 diabetes. And um, something that I didn't know at the time um, was that I had a awesome diagnosis experience, like one of the best ones that you can have. Um, and in 2015, I started this podcast, and uh, I got to learn that my diagnosis experience was not the same as everyone else's. Uh, and one of the people who first uh, made that really clear to me is Paloma. So today, when uh, JD asked me what sessions I'd like to do, I said, well, hey, I think there would be a, no better opportunity than to interview one of Arizona's awesome diabetes social media. So um, today we're going to talk a little bit about that. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where I, I feel like we're going to get started. But um, Paloma, why don't you just, for those who don't know you, let's give, what's the, what's the glucose elevator? <laughs> so I'm Paloma, and I've been living with type 1 diabetes for almost seven years. And when I was diagnosed, I felt so sad, so alone. I thought my life was over. I felt like I was the only person on this earth living with type 1, and I just felt so isolated. And finally, after the two years, I thought, I'm tired of feeling like this. I want better for my life. I want better for myself. And I created the persona of Glitter Glucose, which was something that I felt allowed me to just speak freely about uh, my diagnosis and what I was living with. And thankfully, there were thousands of people online who wanted to talk back with me. And basically, everything I've learned about diabetes <laughs> is from my diabetes online. And I just give them so much credit for how happy and healthy that I am today. And let's talk a little bit about this, uh, because I, I frequently call this time that we live in today the T1D renaissance. Uh, and, and that sort of just comes from a lot of different conversations I've had with people about, uh, you saw out there at the vendor row um, and resource row of all the technology that's available for people with diabetes. Uh, things that they told me when I was diagnosed were gonna come and be available, CGMs linking to pumps and hybrid closed loop. There was a loop session in here earlier. Uh, those things are available now. Uh, and on the other side, there's this community side of things with social media and just the rise of technology where we all have you know, super powerful computers in our pockets that we never leave home uh, without. Uh, I can't imagine the last time I left the house without my phone, like I broke out in a sweat and had a mild anxiety attack. So uh, we've like very uh, dependent on this technology and there's a lot of rhetoric and in the media about the downsides of social media. But I think one of the really big positives is this diabetes community that we've discovered and, and become a part of uh, over the last few years. So. Uh, for me, uh, one of the things that I, I hear and I read at a, an ADA session, hopefully I don't get struck by lightning for mentioning ADA at a JDRF conference, but like, well, uh, you know, there's a storm out there, it's, it's raining in the valley, like, so possible, anything's possible, possible at this point. Um, and the study was a very simple survey and it, that asked people, are you involved with diabetes blogs and social media, yes or no? And then what is your A1C? And 100% of the people who answered yes to the first one, uh, that they were involved in diabetes blogs and social media, had a better A1C outcome than those who answered no. So it was right off the bat, uh, like the, and, and I am a idiot, like notable it moron. So I was like in this scientific session, going through all these boards, like this is way over my head, way above my pay grade, but I understand blogs and social media, I understand this. 
so, and I've also seen it in my own life. And so, 1,000%. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, uh, where were you? What, what was you, you? Let's talk about those days where you decided that you're going to be opt in, share your story, and be a part of this diabetes community. What were you going through, personal life, like diabetes wise? What was happening? I mean, it's even hard to think back about that time because it's probably one of the worst times of my life. And just, you know, feeling so alone, like no one understands you, it's tough. And I don't even know what moment I thought, you know, I need help. I just was tired of feeling like S-H-I-T <laughs> all the time and thought, what can I do? I need help. My doctor, as Rob knows, was not helpful in the slightest, and I'll keep it short, but I was diagnosed by my primary care, and I, you know, had all the same symptoms as Rob, peeing all the time, super thirsty, and all these symptoms are things that we can make excuses for. You know, I live in Arizona, obviously I'm thirsty, or, you know, um, A little bit of mild weight loss, like, right? Like not <laughs> right, a, yeah. right, that I was probably happy about, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, I was having all those symptoms, I googled everything, it said type 1 diabetes, and I didn't know anything about diabetes. I thought diabetes meant I was fat, I was lazy, I ate too much sugar, which, as we all know, is not the case. Um, so I went to the doctor and um, said, I think I have diabetes. He checked my blood sugar. He's like, you do. Um, go to the pharmacy and get insulin and I'll see you in six months. So I was like, okay, this isn't like that big of a deal, I guess, if my doctor just sent me to go get insulin on my own. And I remember like the going to the pharmacy and the pharmacist must have seen the look on my face when I got there because she was like, do you know how to use this? Like, I've never used a syringe or a vial. And she actually took me into her back office and showed me how to draw insulin. So with that kind of management and education and care, of course I wasn't going to feel <laughs> very good. And at, luckily at this time, my sister was in nursing school and was starting to pick up on the idea like, um, I think we're not doing everything we can. And I remember I went to my primary care and said, um, can I see an endo? He's like, I don't think you need it. And I was like, no, just like refer me to an endo. I went to the endo and she's like, what's happening? Like you haven't been properly managed in the slightest you've been neglected and that's when I was like okay this is the beginning of my life turning around and it, that was hearing that for the first time a few years ago right Rob uh, knows the story so yeah we uh, you've been on the podcast before mm -hmm. one of the first uh, episodes and hearing that story for me was like totally foreign I had that my experience was not like that at all so I started to learn as I was started to interview more people that a diagnosis experience runs the gamut it could be location-based, uh, like people who are diagnosed in more rural areas or their primary care physician or at a hospital, or a if, especially if you're an adult versus a child. Uh, JDRF was present in my life with diabetes from day one because I was diagnosed at a children's hospital. Uh, I was 16, so I was kind of on the like, you know, starting to become an adult, but um, they were there from day one. Uh, and, and I, when people ask me like how to get involved in the diabetes community, I always say start with JDRF and start with your local chapter because of like you guys are here in this room. Like we're here all day today. There's kids, teens, uh, parents, caretakers, uh, and we're here to learn more about diabetes. So I got to give you guys props today for, because you're like in the 1% of people with diabetes. You're here on the weekend 
learning, trying to better your life, try to learn and connect with the community, which is super, super important. Um, but there's an entire other uh, you know, segment of people with diabetes who aren't here today and will never make it to this event necessarily. So um, for me, I was like, okay, well, how do we spread, spread awareness about the different stories of people with diabetes and how they get diagnosed? So, um, you know, because I felt the exact opposite. I, I went in and uh, for, like right at the very minute, like I have, to, and, I, and I always say this, and I'll say this in my presentation later today, um, the first thing my doctors told me after I made it through, got it out of the emergency room, like got it put into the hospital, the, the endocrine care team came to me and said, hey, no matter what your dreams are for your life, they're still within reach as long as you take care of your diabetes. And for me, all I wanna do is play basketball. I was like 16 years old and uh, starting to kind of get pretty good. A lot of my friends teased me that I wasn't any good before I got diabetes, but afterwards <laughs> it was like when I kind of went way up. Um, and I remember this very beautiful nurse, and maybe I was just 16 and just hormonal, but she, she like gave me my first like dose of insulin. I just like felt so good. I was like, yes, whatever that is, like give me more of that. Like that's, that, that's what's wrong. I know that's what's wrong. Um, and they told me that though. And so I filtered everything through, okay, what I want is to be an athlete. I wanted to play college and professional basketball. And that's what I wanted more than anything else. Typical 16 year old. Uh, but the, the way through, or the way to that was through diabetes care and management. And my doctors and their care team knew that uh, if they dangled that cookie out or that carrot out for me, that I could do what I wanted to do, that I would be more likely to stick with it. Um, so if you take nothing else from today, like your dreams are valid, your child's dreams are valid, uh, you will have to take care of your diabetes because there is not a cure yet, but organizations like JDRF are pushing towards that. Um, but for now, it is possible there are people doing things. And so that was one of the reasons why I started this podcast is uh, when we get home from the hospital, usually one of the first things we do, or sometimes we're in the room now with, on our phones, like Google, Google <laughs> hit the Google machine. Uh, what do I like to do? And then I try to find people with diabetes who are doing that. For me in 2005, in the early days of Google, which was like weird to think is maybe Ask Jeeves. Uh, where my Ask Jeevers at? Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, Matt uh, Vandevecht, who's back there, I mentioned MapQuest yesterday, which was a, a fun thing from the past as well. Print out a MapQuest map. Yeah. Um, but all that to say is uh, when people get home from their hospital or from their urgent care or wherever they get diagnosed and they're looking for people doing things with diabetes, hopefully they find people who've been on this podcast. So right. I think me and Rob share this similar uh, message that, you know, you don't want to get home from this traumatic experience in Google and see like all the bad things. I hope that they find my page, which is bright and girly and fun, and they find Rob's page, which is about people getting out there, living their lives and following their dreams. So let's talk a little bit about when you, uh, you know, we talked about what was going on with your provider team. Mm -hmm. When you opted in and started to share your story, what what, was there a moment or a moment that you remember or like a particular comment or a conversation that said, hey, I'm doing the right things. Like, this is the right place for me. If you looked in my phone screenshots, like I have screenshots from like 2015, 2016 of people just being so sweet and so kind. And um, I relate a lot to the little girls. <laughs> and so I have such a soft spot for those people. And, um, you know, I created like... For me, what was important is that I didn't want to lose myself. I've always been girly and into fashion, and I didn't want like, to be blanketed by like, a medical disease. And so I wanted to shine through that, and I created you know, my merchandise and such. And 
Um, actually, Vivian, uh, a little girl from Houston, Texas, she is a little blonde, like four-year-old, wearing my shirt. That moment in my life is a moment I'm never going to forget. Um, because it's like, I'm an adult, I can deal with this, you know, I'm strong, but seeing like a four-year-old who does the same things as me, um, that was powerful. And it's pretty amazing, like, at events like this, we were just uh, in the teen room, so if you guys have kids who are here, uh, A, they were great, because uh, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get when you go in the teen room. Like, as you, you know, so, some days, like, right, my mom dragged me here, like, I don't want to be here, like, you know, don't talk to me, you're old. Um, but they were very cool. And one of the things that always surprises me is how much, di how fast diabetes makes you grow up. Uh, because these kids are, as you guys know, they're on their own most of the day when they go to school or wherever they're going, and they have to make the decisions on their own, and they're just little data scientists. They're just back there taking real-world feedback, applying math and different systems, and like thinking about other qualitative data, and then they're giving themselves a, a dose, and they're making an adjustments, and I'm just so blown away by that. Um, and being able and having access to that has been one of the, the biggest like, pleasures, I think, of going around and, and, and being able to be involved in the diabetes community because uh, I, I didn't have that. I, I like to tell people I was way too cool and knew everything, so I never went to diabetes camp. Uh, you know, classic 16-year-old dude. Uh, all I wanted to do was play basketball and people leave me alone. Um, but when, when you see people who are, have been impacted by someone sharing their story, uh, I think your story matters because it could be it may be today, it may be 10 years from now, somebody stumbles across a post um, or you know, is looking for a person and they find them and that makes a huge difference in their life. Uh, and for me, uh, my goal from the start for this podcast uh, was help one person. And so I, I committed to doing 10 episodes. I learned that on iTunes at the time, and this is probably way different now because podcasts are everywhere, um, but at the time, 90% of the podcasts on iTunes only had three episodes. Uh, because people get excited, they start it, and then they stop. And so I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to beat three. I'm going to do 10. I'll do 10 episodes, and if one person says that they, something that they listened to helped them, uh, then I'll keep doing it. Uh, some days, that person is me. Uh, today, I'll leave here today, and I'll get on the plane, and I'll sit down, and I, my cup will be so full of support, community, love, acceptance. Um, and that helps me. And then also, hopefully somebody today will take uh, something positive out of you know, one of these sessions uh, and help uh, you know, their life with diabetes. So yeah, with that, uh, I, I think the first thing, like somebody reached out, one person reached out and commented, was like, this was fun. And I was like, yeah, this counts. Uh, we're going <laughs> to keep I'll on. Keep going, uh, we're going to keep going. going. Um, I can relate with that because I started my Instagram so that I could benefit, so that I can learn. But it ended up quickly switching to this is a community you we're all filling each other's cup and let's just keep it going and I think that's you know going back to the positivity of this community um, people ask like how to get started uh, usually the, the place where most people start is by searching hashtag diabetes um, and just kind of going through I'm seeing some heads nod in here uh, also there are friends of, of mine I'm looking at the audience from the internet that I've never met in person who I like know because they tag me in their 69 blood sugars all the time because <laughs> I, I told you earlier I warned you I'm an idiot and a moron so uh, I love <laughs> to laugh about dumb stuff um, <laughs> but for people who are interested in getting started like where uh, how did you start that process I started Googling and JDRF was one of the first things that came up. This event here, like five years ago, was the f my first intro into the 
real life diabetes world. And I s mentioned this in the teen session, but I remember the first time I saw someone else wearing the T-Slim. I'm like, that's so weird. Like, I've only seen that on my body. Like, what are you having? Wh why is it on your body? Like, this is my thing. And I remember, like, the first time I had a meal with someone who had to check their blood sugar first. And, you know, I remember, you know, back before I had a CGM, like, sitting down to eat, having to open my case, pricking my finger, getting the blood. That was something that I was never happy or excited to do. But seeing someone else mirror me and do the same thing, my heart was so full like it just it's indescribable how good it feels to have someone understand you it is and i think i mean as much as i wish i could just retweet that like in this in real life but that's that's like an internet thing so uh, <laughs> yeah. let's give that a round of applause how about that there we go um for me, I remember like being in the in the room with your kids earlier in the teens. Uh, we probably had like 15 alarms go off in 45 minutes, um, and so we we were talking about like turn turn up the volume. Like this is the place where we don't have to have that. Like you know, I think it's a human reaction to be like Ugh, like you know and not want to draw yeah. attention to yourself. And they were talking about stories where alarms go off in class, and you know if this may shock some of you, but teens are mean to each other. Like and they, <laughs> God, you could not pay me enough money to go back to seventh grade uh, because I was tripping over my feet. I was growing like every minute uh, pretty much and people made fun of me a lot so uh, you forget that like every day is life or death like about what your friends think about you and these moments can be really hard to get over but in that room right now with all those alarms going off people are like throwing juice boxes at each other and helping <laughs> each other out and the power of that I think is like tangible today but that same energy and that same response is taking place online almost all the time um, and which is the reason I'm here today. It's, it's a reason that you're here. How we know each it's other. It's how we know each other. I have so many people in this room that I love and care about, and I met them online. And I remember you, you mentioned kind of before you had a CGM, one of my podcast guests uh, is, uh, works for advocacy for the ADA, so we were talking about you know, her job, and uh, we have this great episode. We hang up the interview or whatever, and we stop the recording. And she goes, hey, Rob, I've been listening to your podcast, and you keep talking about how you don't have a CGM. And she's like, I'm here to tell you that that's dumb. And I was like, <laughs> I was like okay. Uh, so I had not, uh, my, my philosophy on life uh, up to that point, it was pretty much, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I had Same. a strong A1C. You know, I felt like my diabetes management was kind of under control. But she's like, no, no, this will change your life. And she was right. So she helped me get in touch with my, one of my reps and I got a CGM because of a person who I never would have known otherwise, who made me get over my own fears and my own comfortability uh, and made a huge difference in my life. I remember playing my first basketball game with a CGM on and I always wondered what happened. And then I got to see it on the little chart yeah. afterwards on my phone and I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. I have like validation for how I feel and I can plan better next time. All because of telling my story and connecting with people. So you never know, like it could be uh, an event like this, it could be just yeah. a weird interaction, or it could be somebody who's a diabetes expert or guru sharing some secrets. Um, <laughs> no, I remember, the, I remember seeing a CGM on somebody online. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what a Dexcom was, and I saw it on someone, and I'm like, what is that? What are they wearing? Like, why don't I know about this? Like, should I have this? And yeah, two years later, I wear the Libre, but also I was like, I don't want this. I already wear an insulin pump. I don't need anything else. Yep. But I 1,000% feel like every person with diabetes needs a CGM. It's life-changing. And something that um, 
JDRF talks about a lot when they're uh, doing hospital visits for newly diagnosed is the relationship between, so you have your care, caregiver, care provider, your, your medical team. Uh, for kids, you have parents. And as you guys know, I saw, because every time we make a joke about the kids, you guys laugh. Uh, being a kid's tough, especially telling, and especially if you don't have diabetes, like if you're a teenager, there's a lot of like, you don't understand me, mom. Like, you don't, you'll never understand what I'm going through. Very teen angst. That was my best teen voice. Did that work? <laughs> okay, great. Um, but having somebody in between who's not your doctor, who's not your mom, who's not your dad, uh, but has diabetes can be a huge, uh, it's just a life hack. It's just, a, it's like steroids for your care team because then they can ask Paloma about her uh, CGM. What is it? Does she like it? Um, they can learn about things from me. They can learn, you know, if they're interested in exercise, uh, Matt and, and, and his team and other people like him are available to learn about diabetes strategies. And um, that's, that didn't exist five years ago. Uh, and now it's just, like I said, it's just an ultimate, like pouring gasoline on the fire of like, what's the quickest way to finding balance with the life of diabetes is having real people that you can ask um, and get feedback from, uh, parents too. Um, you know, we are sounding boards for all kinds of people. Sometimes they don't have diabetes, uh, but they have somebody in their life that does. Um, and you know, sometimes talking about diabetes all day can get a little bit old. Uh, I have diabetes, I have this diabetes podcast, I wear this diabetes sweatshirt. You know, occasionally that gets a little bit much to handle, but what really helps me get through it is knowing other people that are going through the same thing. For sure, I think me and Rob have kind of a similar path. We used to talk about diabetes online, like that's all we would talk about. And at some point, you know, it was really great and we connected with our followers, but at some point, even my followers were like, okay, we get it. Like, we all have diabetes. Like, what else about you? <laughs> and it's like diabetes brought us together, but it's not, you know, why we're sticking around. We're friends because, you know, we like the same music or this fashion or whatever, makeup it or may dumb be. dumb 69 jokes, that's what. <laughs> right? <laughs> but no, I think it's important to find a reason to connect and feel like I have that, but I don't have to talk to you about, like, diabetes, diabetes, diabetes all day for us to be friends and connect. Do you remember like the first time, so obviously like you, like you said, we're, we're, we all have diabetes. What, were, what are some of the interactions that stand out for you that are like, wow, these people are my friends. They're not just other people with diabetes. Like I really connect with them. Well, my mom always makes fun of this because I'll post like a pic, like I would post a picture about me talking about diabetes and everyone's like, but how'd you curl your hair? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess we're moving on from that. And People with diabetes curl their hair, right? right? Yes. And also, you know, brands that I, my job is to be, you know, online and on social media and brands that I work with, you know, slowly the diabetes brands started going to the background and um, big mainstream brands. I mean, my biggest company that I've ever worked with is Crest Toothpaste. And at first I thought, like, does this make sense? And I thought about it, like, people with diabetes brush their teeth too, you know? At so least hopefully <laughs> they do. Hopefully. <laughs> Some of you guys, maybe not. I <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting that this brought us all together. It's like, uh, you'll you probably heard it today, JD Ref does, uh, talks about it a lot. It's like the best club you never wanted to be a part of. Um, but there's other things, and like we're people outside of that. And I think that's something that both Paloma and I really strive for is, yes, we have diabetes, but my goal for my life, bef even before I had it, was not to be an awesome person with diabetes. It was to do X, Y, Z. Uh, and so I try to uh, manage, like A, prioritize my care. 
uh, and you know, connect with people and learn uh, from people in the community, but also prioritize living my life. And sometimes that means I talk more about diabetes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means I don't say that I have diabetes when I want to go skydiving uh, because <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to jump out of that yeah. plane and you know, whatever happens, happens at that point. Um, but uh, which, yeah, plenty of funny stories around that because I, I had like my insulin pump tucked into my like compression gear underneath the flight suit, got a low alarm as we're getting on the plane, chugged some orange juice, yeah, wild. Um, don't recommend that, it's maybe off-label oh treatment. So for you guys, I'd love to, we have about 15 minutes left in this session. I'd love to get some Q&A, maybe about where to get started, uh, any questions that you guys have for us. Uh, otherwise, I can just keep rambling because this is like what I do, so. Um, usually, this, I'll tell you guys how this works. One person asks and then everybody gets confident and then we all <laughs> ask, so thank you for asking first. Hello. Yeah, so the question is, um, how do you start a podcast? I'll also lump in like social media in there. Um, so the advice that I give typically is uh, just get started. Um, again, and, and changing your metrics. Like we just passed a million downloads on the podcast all the time at the end of last year. And that sounds great. Like when you start off day one, yeah, I want a million downloads. Heck yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, but helping one person was the goal from the start. And so that helped me power through the beginning. So uh, I would say like everybody, a couple different things. Number one, your story matters. Uh, you don't know how many times I've talked to people about coming on the podcast and they're like, I don't know if I'm that interesting. And those episodes were like, almost every time someone tells me that, those episodes are like the most played and most downloaded uh, because everybody's story matters. And it could matter to somebody that you don't even know at this point or you don't even know is going to see you. So uh, I would say like vulnerability is, is hard sometimes, especially talking about struggles specifically around like alpha male dudes. I have a lot of dudes with diabetes that follow me and don't talk about it at all. They like don't want people to know they follow me and all this stuff. But every now and then they they'll- don't follow th me. Yeah, well, <laughs> they should, they, they should. They just like don't have as many questions about hair, I think right. probably, um, but they should. Like I, whatever you guys, whatever the weather like curled my hair super crazy this morning. Can I, can I, I can do a, some content about that. But yeah, so I would say uh, your story matters. Start with one, uh, you know, if it's a podcast, great. It's super easy to start a podcast today, way easier than it was five years ago. Uh, just Google it, go hit that Google machine. Uh, or if it's YouTube or it's TikTok or it's just writing a blog or, you know, we have snail mail out there. Organizations like Beyond Type One can connect you with a, a, like a pen pal, which sounds antiquated, but is like super impactful. And like, also there's a, there's a pen pal story. These pen pals got married. They like met each other. One was from Cleveland and one was from uh, the England and they I got married. This. Yeah, Sid and, and Andrew, they just had their first baby. So it's like, you, you never know what, could, what opting into this community could do for your life. Yeah. Always be closing. Uh, you know, it's just coffee, no coffee till I'm oh closing deals, baby. Uh, no, I have this, uh, I, I'll let Paloma handle it. I'm a jokester. So no. yeah, I, I get on my big 90s phone and I wear like a wide lapel suit and I'm just Alec Baldwin, just like, you know, F you, that's my name. And like, hey, I'm there. Oh you know, my hey gosh. Now me and Rob often talk about business together. Um, I feel like I have built my brand up to be you know, the whole reason I am who I am and have what I have is because of the people that follow me. So there's no way I would ever compromise what these people have given me 
for money or for a brand that doesn't make sense. So I say no way more than I say yes, but I also reach out to people who I think are a good fit for me. So I love Dillard's. If you saw <laughs> we, went, we went yesterday. We went to Dillard's fun. yesterday. I have been trying to get Dillard's to notice me forever. <laughs> and finally, I have penetrated slightly into the whole Dillard's world. So We've got a mole in Dillard's. We've yeah. embedded ourselves there. <laughs> it's, it's, it, the time is coming. The day of reckoning is coming, Dillard's. Yeah. But the way I go about it is what can I offer this company? Because at the end of the day, it's not really about me. They are in the reason they're reaching out to me is because the eyes that are on me. So it's like, okay, what does it make sense? How is this going to benefit my followers? Are they even going to care to see this? Will this help them? And that's, that's step one. Yeah, I think um, my serious answer is my professional background and what I, my career is advertising. So I know how to talk to brands. I believe that all brands should be bled dry of their money and given to creators. <laughs> no, I don't really believe that. Uh, but I know, how to, I know how to sell the advertising piece. I try to find brands that not only are right for me, uh, even with the hoodies that I made, I was telling somebody earlier, uh, I spent a lot of time making sure that this was a hoodie that I would be comfortable wearing. Um, and I didn't want to create something or be a part of something that didn't feel authentic to me because again, I, I didn't want to sell something, didn't want to sell myself out for money. And, right, right. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said about authenticity and transparency. So I love Paloma shares a lot of emails when she turns companies down. So every time <laughs> I turn down a company, I always think of Paloma. So it's yeah. funny. It's like, you know, be, being nice, like, hey, this isn't right for me. Uh, but also like, hey, like, I would love to work with this company. Uh, a lot of them is just cold outreach or, and right. just like sticking with it. There's really no magic formula to this or diabetes. It's like just doing, uh, doing the good step things by step. step by step, day by day. Stay hydrated. That's a big part of it. <laughs> uh, get a good night's sleep. You know, the basics. Yeah. Great. So the, uh, for those listening at home, the, the question is like, how, how do we navigate, um, you know, good advice from bad advice? And then also when you're dealing with people uh, and you're sharing your story, how do you, you know, make sure that it's like, this is what works for me. Not necessarily if somebody disagrees, you know, how do you handle that? How do you handle people like that? Well, technically I don't follow advice. I'm just watching what other people are, are, what other people are doing and thinking, could that help me? Are there baby steps I can take and see, you know, without putting myself in a bad position? And I definitely don't give any medical advice because I'm no professional. <laughs> I'm not in a position to be able to give medical advice. But we all do receive unsolicited advice about a cure or this pill helped this or if you get Did on you guys this take your supplement. cinnamon this morning? Right, or, right. <laughs> we should have been handing it out the front. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a... So regarding uh, unsolicited advice or, you know, when you use a hashtag, sometimes people are just commenting and making ignorant comments. There's a few things that I like to remember. I remember when the doctor told me I have type 1 diabetes and I remember what I thought and I had no idea what that meant. So my experience in my life up to that point, I had never come across type 1 diabetes. I knew maybe one person that had it, but nothing about what their life was like. Um, so I try to make sure that I judge like, okay, is this person just new? Uh, and like see where they are. Don't, I try not to compare my day of like, you know, 15 years and now five years in the diabetes community with their knowledge. 
Um, so there's that. On the other side, it's like, yeah, I also try not to give medical advice. There are amazing diabetes health coaches uh, for all different walks of life. There's one right behind you um, who can help you w make strategies to keep your, you know, to achieve better outcomes and live the life that you want. Uh, I'm not necessarily one of those, but I point people to those people a lot who are looking for that. Um, and one time, this guy commented on a post that I made about Slurpees, and he was like, why don't you just have the Slurpee, bro? And I was like, I didn't want the Slurpee, dude, unfollow. And like, he was like, got all like, upset, and so I was like, unfollow me, dude. Um, and if he ever runs into me, then I'll, you know, well, maybe we can talk about it, or not, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, sometimes people, it's just like, this is a public profile, I'm here to help people, uh, and hopefully, um, you know, mo most people, I'd say like 99.9% .9 of the feedback comments community are positive. Uh, and try not to let the one negative like really throw a wrench in your system. Also, one of the benefits I think on at least Instagram, I know probably in Twitter and Facebook, there's always like a little bit of like the gurus and uh, maybe some questionable tactics or like, uh, you know, things. But for the most part, I'd say like Instagram is very positive. Uh, there's a lot of people you can ask about things uh, and reputation goes a long way. Uh, a recommendation from somebody like Paloma uh, or and a lot of the other people in this room, like Matt, myself, like we have put time in to make sure that the things that we're recommending are right for people and, and good. Uh, so, you know, they're a good sounding board for parents, like ask questions. Uh, if you guys are getting sold something or uh, doctors pushing or you came across something and need more information, you have direct access to a lot of people who have a lot of knowledge and, uh, and put a lot of time in. So it's a good way to just at least have, get some advice from the sounding board. Great question. Yawn, bad body language back there. I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry, that's just I my- I thought she was gonna ask a question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, we got her to answer, ask the questions. It's so good. Um, I think we have like 167. So um, my schedule is not as, I'm not a very disciplined person sometimes. Uh, so I kind of, I, I, I don't know, that's just a weird, honest what, thing. What episode was I like in the beginning? I think you were like 15, okay. I think. So 15. So and this will be like 175 probably. Yeah. I remember the first time, me and Rob have come up in this community at the same time. I remember I got off of work and had to do the podcast. You and still, now you still had your day job. Yes, I was working in retail and had to make time and come home and record this. And now, like, this is my life. So, my life has done a one, whatever it is, <laughs> change. Yeah, I, I me too. As I, I think like since I started, I, I had a job. I quit my job. I started an age, another, my own agency. Uh, yeah. I think like we had a we had a hard time coordinating because we both had day jobs. Yeah, and I, I think about that too. Is like, in the beginning it was easy. I had no listeners. I had no guests. I had no employees. <laughs> and like now it's like I still have those things, but now I have like all of that. It's like it's and sometimes our, up to that. Our cats made an appearance on the podcast too. People love cats. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this. Pro tip: social media. People yep. love cats. Um, big shout out, Michael J. Fox. Uh, <laughs> my, my cat, my guy. Uh, oh, yes. Great question. I'm going to repeat the question. Uh, it's like, what is, what is a typical day like for a social media influencer? I'm so glad you asked because <laughs> so many people think it's just about taking pretty pictures and posting it up. But my days are 
start to finish. Like I wake up, check emails. I'm talking with people from the East Coast, so they're already awake. I have deadlines. I'm, you know, um, negotiating. I'm planning. I'm planning events and. Um, the posting pictures part of it is such a small part, but actually that's fun for me because my background before this was in fashion. So like I said, I didn't want to lose that. So I have a professional photographer who shoots on my photos and um, for a photo shoot day, I need six outfits. I need to put top to bottom, my hair, my outfit, what products I'm going to be promoting, what message I want to send. And these are like, I have my pictures set up for three months from now. Um, and, you know, I make a Pinterest board with my photographer. She doesn't have diabetes, so she doesn't, you know, she just follows my lead. Sometimes she'll, like, see, like, my site or something for my insulin pump. She's like, should we use this as a prop? I'm like, that's a cartridge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But, um, yeah, most of the time on my, I'm on my computer. I'm on the phone. I'm talking with brands, seeing how we can spread the message. I'm talking with, you know, our local hospital, how I can go in and talk to the teens. I work a lot with the Latino community, which um, unfortunately in the Valley is not really online. So I speak Spanish, so I use that um, in my everyday. But really at the core of it, I'm just a girl who happens to have diabetes and I want people to know what diabetes really looks like. And, you know, I, when I first was diagnosed, I hated telling someone that I had diabetes because immediately that word diabetes had like such a negative connotation to it. And so I always felt on edge. So when I would say I had diabetes, people would like, I immediately had to defend myself. And it's not what you think, it's not the stereotype, it's not what you've seen on TV. And at the end of the day, all I'm trying to do is show people what the truth is with diabetes and what it really looks like. And I will give Paloma a ton of credit, um, and then she did not pay me to say this. Um, <laughs> but you can, it's easy to look at Paloma's profile and take it at face value. It's like, this is a, a pretty, pretty girl taking pretty pictures, and it's all glitter and sparkles, and it's like, oh, it seems like that's probably a persona. It's not. That is actually who Paloma is. Like, it's very authentic, very genuine, and that's why people have such a strong relationship with her. Uh, she, I mean, and no offense to my followers, I love you guys, but she loves them more than I love you guys. Uh, <laughs> so, no offense, I, I still love you guys, you're awesome. But the relationship that Paloma has with her community is very personal, it has a, it's very transparent and very open, and I think that's why she's so good at what she does. Thank you, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. <laughs> but no, I feel like, like, Lee right here, like, I feel like I know you, you know, I've seen your face pop up. I post something, I know you're gonna be there to support me. And I feel that way about so many people who follow me. Um, I'm like, these are my friends. Like when I talk to someone who doesn't know about really what I do, like I don't say my followers. I'm like, oh, my friends. And they're like, oh, how do you know that person in New Zealand? I'm like, well, kind of my friend, you yeah. know? Um, but like I said, I would not be who I am today and this happy and this healthy if I didn't have all these people surrounding me. So thanks for the nice words, Rob. Proudest moment or milestone uh, with your brand? You have one? Yeah, go ahead. I'll think about mine. <laughs> um, well, I'm not married anymore, but when I didn't get married, um, I posted a photo 
checking my blood sugar in my wedding dress. And that was just like, whatever, you know, this is what I do. But when I posted it, the amount of moms around the world who were like bawling and telling me like, you know, they see their little girl and worry and wonder, are they going to be okay? Are they gonna find someone to love them? Are they gonna, you know, thrive and, and wear the white wedding dress and all that? And when they saw my photo, they saw their daughter. And that was just life changing for me. That's really beautiful. Um, I'm gonna share something that's <laughs> <laughs> much more stupid. Uh, I, uh, there's been some awesome, but like, I, make no mistake, I live an insanely cool, wild, stupid, dumb life that because of people of, of you and diabetes has given me this amazing uh, focus for helping people and I'm very grateful for that. Would I give it back? Yeah, absolutely. If anybody wants to buy Same. it, I'll tell you, you can have it. Uh, but um, I was on a panel like this like a little over a year ago and uh, somebody asked a question like what are your favorite things like what are your favorite moments and I was feeling a little spicy and so I said you know I love when people share their 69 blood sugars with me that makes me laugh like before uh, like a week before one of my friends who I actually my actual friend in person uh, that I know put his 69 blood sugar on my wall on Facebook Facebook too, guys. Uh, uh, but it, so it was like not a public thing, not like diabetes community related, just like a funny thing. And it made me laugh so much. I just liked it. And I commented nice, of course. Um, and so <laughs> that panel went live. Like uh, that day, one of the panelists, Chris Rudin, uh, had a 69 blood sugar and posted it. Uh, I posted the podcast. Since then, uh, over 2,500 people have tagged me in their 69 blood sugars, uh, and I've made some sort of weird uh, stained it's been a while joke or fast and the furious joke. And uh, like Dave is back there is one of my 69 MVPs for sure. Uh, and it's stupid. And like let's be let's be real, hypoglycemia is scary. Right. Uh, and like you know, I, I, there was a, a like a viral post from another podcast, the Beta Cell podcast, last week about like. Every night with somebody with diabetes goes to sleep and we, want, we don't know if we're gonna wake up. Like that, but I mean, pretty much everybody does that, but with diabetes, there's like a, a lot of risk, right? And you can choose to live in fear. Uh, and I have chosen to banish fear from my life. And uh, so my rules are uh, tag me or treat, then tag. Uh, so fix that low blood sugar, let's have a laugh. And I for sure will share it and make some dumb joke. Yeah. Um, because that is who I am. Uh, and I think that's just like, I don't know, that makes me feel so close to people who are like, you know what? My daughter had a 69 blood sugar today on her Dexcom chair, and I'm gonna share it with you because I think it's dumb, and I, and, you know, I don't get to laugh about diabetes very much, and here we are. So that's when, my present. When, when you first told me about that, I was like, I'm not participating in that. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day you got me. I, I shared it. I shared it. <laughs> he, I win people over all the time. You know, they roll their eyes. Yeah. They, uh, they think it's dumb. I also do. But, the, you know, when you catch that 69, like people's friends are like, hey, you need to tag Rob Howe in that. Right, right. Like I get people send me screenshots of text message conversations and that I, I don't know. Uh, to me, that was just like, I, I might as well have been beamed up to space after that, man. Like, I, I found my purpose. I was, I was living on cloud nine. Uh, I think we're coming up on time. Uh, we have two minutes, so maybe we can take one last question uh, before we wrap up, uh, if anybody has one. Yeah. Advice would you give someone 
First of all, great question. Uh, so yeah, most of my friends don't have diabetes in the real world. Most of my like physical interactions, like the people who are actually like, in my, you know, none of my employees have diabetes. Like none of my business partner is with me every day. He doesn't have diabetes. But um, the the thing I like the most about it, I think, is that you, it lets your friends off the hook in a way to be your support system because you have this like online support system of people who are knowing what you're going through, uh, and that has made me more patient. Uh, it's made me more, uh, given me a lot more room for people that don't know anything about diabetes to make mistakes or to ask questions. It's given me a capacity to be a better friend to them in that way because I, for a long time, uh, 10 years, for 10 years, I didn't talk about diabetes. One of my teammates in college who was a very sweet guy, I like blew up at him one day for asking a very simple question about testing my blood sugar. Um, and I was very rude and like I still think about that interaction. And uh, we were fine after that, we, we, we moved past it. I was, we were 18. but. Uh, I, now, I remember that moment for people who are new and they come in, or people that I interact with that don't have diabetes. And I think it's like, you know, I know none of my friends are like, oh man, Rob talks about diabetes too much, blah, blah, blah. But they- They care. They care. Yeah. And they learn a lot by like, oh, I didn't know. Like, some of my friends are like, wow, I didn't know that you did that. Uh, and they spend a lot of time with me. And so I think, um, you know, Stanford recently did a study. It's like we make 180 extra decisions a day if you have type 1 diabetes than an average person. Um, and that's just related to diabetes care. Um, and so those types of things are like, wow, like I didn't realize that you, you know, after, you know, before a meeting, you got to figure out what your blood sugar is so that it doesn't, you know, bottom out. Or before, you know, how do you do this when you travel? What's, you know, how do you go through a metal detector with your pump? Uh, and how do you exercise? Like, you know, I never even considered that. Um, and I think that's the cool part for me is like when I get to share like really, intricate details about a life with diabetes to somebody who doesn't know that that happens and they're like wow like I didn't know that I took that for granted for myself because I don't have to manage it so I think that's a that's where I would start that's a long way yeah it's eye-opening for them and I think not only does it allow them to appreciate you know us as people but I think it makes them more patient and think about others and be more empathetic just in general in the world because you never know what people are dealing with like I could, you know, you might see me, you might see Rob and think everything's all good, our life's easy, and, you know, we get down to the nitty-gritty of diabetes, and people are like, wow, I didn't know that. So hopefully, by educating them, they not only look at us differently, but they just look at the world differently. Yeah, and I, and I guess the way to, that, I'll, that I'll close is um, my life is better because I opted in and told my story. I have friends that are in this room and all around the world and all around the country that have made it easy to, easier to share my burden uh, diabetes is still hard. Uh, you know, I still sometimes will go to the gym and I'll be like, hey, yeah, I, I made it to the gym and I have a low blood sugar. It's like, oh, I don't have my orange juice. I got to go down to the machine. It's like, oh, you know, 45 minutes go by and it's like, wow, diabetes sucks. Uh, for sure it does. That's okay to say, say that it's super great, but it can be. Um, and there are people that, that know what you're going through and can help. And I thank you guys for bringing today and for uh, you know continuing to support all the stuff we do. Uh, definitely follow Paloma if you don't already at Glitter Glucose and my podcast is Diabetics Doing Things and my I'm Rob Howe on, on Instagram, Rob Howe 21 but I'm very online. It's easy to find me. Reach out, talk to somebody and uh, yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. So there it is another live episode in the books. 
If you, again, would like me to come do one of these at your local chapter, at your event, get in touch. Let's make it happen. I'm a very easy person to find. You found this podcast. You can find me online or send me an email, rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. I'm planning on doing much more of these in the future once these events get rescheduled. So be on the lookout for more live pods coming your way 2020. And in the meantime, stay safe, wash those hands, wipe those butts. We'll talk soon.